So can you ever think of a time in your life when you were just truly lost? Maybe you were hiking or backpacking out somewhere. Maybe you were hunting out in the woods or in the desert. Maybe it was before the days of GPS and you, had, you got so turned around driving you had no idea where you were. Or maybe you had a GPS too and you still got where that way. And I'm, there's no judgment here. If you got lost, that, that's totally fine. Or maybe it was a time when you were a kid and you were at the mall or at Disneyland and you just looked around and all of a sudden you're like, I have no idea where I am and I don't know where the people who love me are. Can you think of a time like that? How did you feel in those moments when that happened to you? Were you fearful? Were you frustrated? Were you anxious? How did it impact you? You know, getting a little lost, it happens to the best of us. It isn't intentional, right? We don't even realize it's happening at the time. But then we look around, all of a sudden we're like, I don't know where I am anymore. When we think about being lost, now usually we think about being physically lost. But that's not the only way that we can feel lost, right? I mean, we live today in a very fast-paced world that is constantly on the run. And it's easy to get distracted in life and to just miss God and to somehow get a little bit off track. Sometimes life, we come to a place in life where we just come to a major crossroads, right? We, we know that we need to make a big decision in life. We're not sure which way to go, though we suspect that whatever decision we do make is going to have a really big impact on our lives for a long time to come, perhaps even the lives of those around us as well. We, we want to make a right decision, but how do we figure out the right way? And then those, there are those times when life just gets a little dark, right? Or a little bit painful. A curveball comes at us out of nowhere, and it leaves us a little lost and confused and just wondering what to do. Getting a little lost in situations like this isn't always bad. It's a part of life, and I would say at times it can even be a gift, because it can help us draw closer to God as we find our way. The important thing is when we realize it, that we figure out how to get back on the right path. So let me, I'm just curious, let me ask you, can you think of, that, of a time, maybe the most memorable time in your life when you got lost? Maybe it's a funny story, maybe it's not so funny of a story, maybe it's a little bit painful. But I, I, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just... I guess a little curious. I'd love to know what some of your stories are. Uh, in your online sermon notes today, in the, actually in the top left-hand corner, I think, you'll see a little, a little uh, comments box. I would love it if several of you would just give me some of your thoughts about that time that you were totally lost and what, how, what you, you, how you grew from that. Um, I don't have anything else to do with this afternoon. I just love to just sit and read your stories, if that's okay. So give me some of those even to this morning as we're in the service. I'd love that. But you know, I was thinking recently... What are we supposed to do when we get lost? Do any of you know? How many of you have like a, you have like the sure answer? What are you supposed to do when you get lost out in the desert or something? What? Pray? That, that's a good one. Stop? Yeah. Um, you know, the, 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 uh, what I was always told when I was young was that the first, when you get lost, you just need to stay put. You don't need to go anywhere. Right? You don't need to, you need to wait for someone to find you, right? Have you ever heard that? That is not the advice that they give anymore. I don't know if you realize that. Sometimes that is wise advice. Sometimes that is really bad advice. 
How many of you ever saw the movie 127 Hours? Remember that story a few years ago about Aaron Rawson going out in the slot canyons in Utah and getting his arm stuck in a boulder? He was there for days trying to figure out how, hoping someone was going to find him. Nobody's going to find him in that little slot canyon in Utah. He ended up having to cut his arm off to, to be able to get out, to get his way, uh, get, to find his way out. And without that, he would have died there, right? So sometimes you can't just stay put. You have to move. But then there are those times when sometimes we, we get lost and we just want to do something and we react. And sometimes in those moments, reacting and just doing the first thing that we think of is a worst thing we can do. It can actually make us more lost than when we were before, right? So I actually was looking this up online. I was curious to know what is the advice these days on what to do when you get lost. And I found some pretty consistent advice. I actually pulled up a website from the U.S. Forestry Service that's in your notes. And it was what they shared on this website was so profound in my mind. I thought, I want to build a series around this. I actually want to, this is the beautiful framework for a sermon series because they give this simple yet clear um, direction on what to do when you get lost. And I think it's not only applicable when you're physically lost, but even when you're a little bit lost in life. And, and here's what the U.S. Forestry Service shares with us. It's a very simple acrostic. You can all remember it. It's the word STOP. And it stands for four things. Stop, of course. Think. Observe and plan. Let me walk this through with you real quickly here for a moment. Stop means it's as soon as you realize that you're getting a little bit lost, to just stay put and to realize that sometimes panic is your greatest enemy. It's, good, it's not good in those moments to move when you're stressed or you're tired or you're not thinking clearly because you can end up getting more lost than you were before. So it's important to stop and rest and to, that from there to think. To think, to, to think back on your past. Where's the last place I know that I wasn't lost? Can I get back there? It's basically thinking back on your past to put together the clearest picture you can. But then the next step is, oh, observe. And that's not looking at the past, but it's looking at the present. What signs or what landmarks do I see around me that may help indicate which way I'm supposed to go? What tools do I have at my disposal, whether it's a map and compass if you're old school or GPS, to help me figure out how to be found again? And then the last step is to plan. Once you've stopped, you've gathered your thoughts, you've observed what's around you, then if you can put all those together can you come up with the best action plan to get out? And what they recommend is if you can't come up with a good, clear plan after doing those things, don't go anywhere. Just stay put. But if you think from thinking back on the past and observing what's around you in the present, you can come up with a very clear plan that you feel confident will help you be found again, then go with it. What do you think? Pretty simple, right? Yet pretty clear advice that I think not only, again, not only applies to us when we're physically lost, but even when we're just a little bit lost in life. And I want to kind of unpack that for you here in the month of January. Today we're going to start this series by taking the first step that they recommend. And that is to stop. To stop and rest. You know, rest is so important. In moments like this when you're out in the desert and you're getting lost, that's usually the last thing you want to do, right? Oftentimes when, you're, when you're lost, you realize you're lost, you're in a panic, and the last thing you want to do is just stop and do nothing. But they actually say that's the best thing you can do in that moment. Rest. 
Stop and rest and gather your thoughts. In fact, the less time we take to rest, the more likely we are to get lost and to stay lost in life. And the less interest we have to listen to God and to get excited about the new opportunities that he brings us in this life. We all have physical and mental limitations, whether we want to accept them or not. And ignoring them isn't going to make them go away, right? Scripture teaches us that rest is a choice. It's a choice to respect our limitations and God's expectations every day of our lives. So I want to encourage you to turn with me for a few minutes to Hebrews chapter 4. I'd like to unpack a few verses from Scripture that's there. And as you're turning there, what you're going to find if you're going into your online sermon notes at My Grace, I'm using a different... Normally I use a New Living Translation uh, in our services, but this morning I am using a translation that's called the easy-to-read version. I'm going to really dumb it down for you this morning. This is about the most basic trans- English translation of Scripture you can find. But this, the reason I'm doing that is this, this passage of Scripture... It's a little bit complex. It's a little bit complicated. If you pick up a typical translation, you can get lost in the words. Uh, and so I'm just going to use this this morning because I really there, there's some stuff in here this morning that I really hope you're going to get and that you're going to be able to walk away from, so walk away with so th- this morning. So let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to be looking at the first 11 verses this morning. It says this, And we still have the promise... That God gave those people. Those people meaning the people of Israel who were wandering around in the wilderness. That promise is that we can enter his place of rest. And it says, so we should be very careful that none of you fails to get that promise. Yes, the good news about it was told to us just as it was to them. But the message they heard did not help them. They heard it. But they did not accept it with faith. Only we who believe it are able to enter God's place of rest. As God said, this is Psalm 95 verse 11 being quoted here. I was angry and made a promise. They will never enter my place of rest. So he's reflecting back on these people of Israel and how they didn't have faith. And God in his anger refused to give them a place of rest. But then it says here in the end of verse 3. But God's work was finished from the time he made the world. Yes, somewhere in the scriptures he talked about the seventh day of the week. Um, That was in Genesis, right? He said, so in the seventh day God rested from all his work. But in the scripture above God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So, it says in verse 6, the opportunity is still there for some, not all, but some to enter and enjoy God's rest. But those who first hear the good news about it did not enter because they did not obey. Notice before it said they didn't have faith, but now it's adding they also did not obey. So, verse 7, God planned another special day. It's called today. He spoke about that day through David a long time later using the words he quoted before. And this is Psalms 95 also. Where it says, if you hear God's voice today, don't be stubborn. We're going to get back to that. We know that Joshua did not lead the people into the place of rest that God promised. We know this because God spoke later another day of rest. This shows that the seventh day rest for God's people is still to come. 
God rested after he finished his work, so everyone who enters God's place of rest will also have rest from their own work, just as God did. So it says in verse 11, as we wrap up, let us try as hard as we can, as hard as we can, to enter God's place of rest. We must try hard so that none of us will be lost by following the example of those who refused to obey God. Now, again, I threw a lot of verses there at you. Maybe for some of you, it's like, David, you are still giving me the, the easy-to-read version. I was having a little bit of a hard time following you there with that. I, I get that. Um, basically, what's happening here is this author, he's being very clever, and as he's, he's explaining Scripture, he's shifting back and forth multiple times in those 11 verses between the past, the present, and the future. And it's easy if you're not keeping track of which, which spot he's in to know what he's talking about. But once we get into it and we recognize which is the past, which is the future, and what is now, I think that's when this is going to really come out and come alive for you. Now, Hebrews, this book of Hebrews was written, obviously, after Christ was resurrected to help explain to the church as well as to the, peop- the Jewish people the purpose of the Christian faith. How Christ was able to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Now, the writer is explaining how to do that here at the end of chapter 3 and as he's moving into chapter 4 when he gets on this topic of rest. Now, he starts here in verse 1 in the present, right? He's talking about the present time. He's saying there's a rest that we can have now. This rest that he's talking about that we can have now, he's not talking about a really good nap. He's not talking about a good night's sleep tonight. What he's talking about here is a rest for the soul, He's talking about a place where you can be at peace with God and with your own life, where you're not anxiously striving or struggling or just feeling a little lost. The Bible describes this rest here as a dwelling place. Did you notice that? It's a place where we go and stay. God's rest isn't meant to be like a vacation where we escape from reality for a few days and then come back to the real world. God says here, God says, I live in that place of rest. And he says, you can dwell there as well, even today. It's a place that you can stay. In fact, God tells us in the Psalms that it's useless to not be in that place of rest because we can accomplish very little on our own without God's blessing. And in verse 2 of Psalm 127, it says, God gives this rest to us if we really want it. Now, if we back in Hebrews 4, switch, he switches here in verse 8 back into the future. And he says, one day, people of faith will live in that place of rest without striving or trying. And we know that place to be heaven, right? And the scriptures explain what that looks like. But for now, he says, as he flips back into the present, he says, for now, we have to work at it. Sounds a little odd, doesn't it? That we actually have to work at resting. But that's what he's saying. And it's so true. I mean, if you think about it, rest doesn't happen on its own very well these days, does it? I mean, maybe centuries ago it was easy when you weren't at work to just stop and relax and rest. But these days we have so many things grabbing at us all day long, all week long, that even when we think we're resting, we're really not resting. We're hit, we, we're hit with so much noise these days. I mean, I don't know if, any, if this is true of any of you, but I, there was a time in my life when I used to get home from work or whatever, and the first thing I would do 
would be to go to the television and just turn it on because the house was too quiet. Or I'd turn on the radio in the car. Why? Just because I needed some noise. Today, we are constantly distracted by our cell phones and by stuff on the television and by the activities. There's more options, more choices in our world today to do stuff than ever before. We can have any or every hobby that we want. We can have stuff to fill every second that we're awake. And oftentimes, in those moments, we forget how to be still. How to be quiet. As soon as we get still or we get quiet, what happens? We fall asleep, right? Because we have forgotten how to be still. We can sometimes know how to, be, how to physically rest, how to get some sleep. Oh, some of us really stink at that. We kind of cheat sleep as well. But when we get mentally or emotionally still, we're so unused to it that we just fall asleep. And God says, I want you to learn how to rest like that. To not just sleep, but to be still. Routine seasons of rest, which God calls the Sabbath, were designed for us because we need them. Not just physically, but emotionally and mentally as well. It's God's way of saying, stop. Notice your limits. Don't burn out. To rest is to learn how to actually stop and do nothing. To be still. To not just go and off and do a bunch of stuff you enjoy, or even to just go and relax, but to be quiet. To allow the world around you to go quiet. To, to disconnect from technology, believe it or not, which most of us don't even know how to do anymore, so that we can truly be in a place where we can think clearly and we can learn to hear God. These days, guys, one of the things I hear more than anything else as a pastor is people who would say to me, Dave, I can't hear God's voice. I don't know how to hear God. And so oftentimes, you know, I think the, I, the number one reason for that isn't because God's hiding from us. Oftentimes, I think for most people, it's not even because we're in sin. It's because we don't know how to be quiet and listen to the voice of God. We expect God to speak to us in the whirlwind and the fire and God speaks to us in that still small voice, but we don't know how to still ourselves to hear that voice. And so we go for weeks or months and never hear God. Peter Kreeps says this. He says, if you can't take the time to do nothing, then you're a slave to doing. Doing nothing, he says, is a radical revolutionary act. It frees you from the universal slavery of our age which is slavery to the clock. Hear me. Please hear me this morning. Rest like this is not just an optional good idea for some people. It's something that God expects of us. As I said, some of us, if we're honest, we're not even good at at physical rest. We cheat ourselves of sleep all the time. But very few of us know how to be still, and even fewer, less of us actually do so on a regular basis. We tend to be very poor judges of what we actually need in this area because we're always going, always pushing, right? Even on a day of rest, a Sabbath day of rest like Sundays, we still go and go and go and push. Most, most pastors, most spiritual leaders even, to be honest with you, we stink at this. 
We do. We, we think we're far more capable than we really are. And we're not willing to recognize that we have God-given limitations too. This was a hard realization that I came face-to-face with last year on sabbatical. It was humbling for me to accept. I didn't even, and this may be true of you, I didn't even realize I was in that place until I actually had to stop for a season when sabbatical started. And I started not only physically resting, but emotionally and mentally resting, detaching, disconnecting from all the stuff that consumes my thoughts every waking moment. And after a couple of days, I started realizing, wow, I, I feel different. Have you ever been there? I, I literally felt different. I'm like, wow, I haven't felt this good in a long time. And I started to realize I could hear God more clearly than I've heard from him in a really long time. And it was all because of this. It, it was available all the time. But as it says here in Hebrews, are, are you faithful to it? And are you obedient to it? For me, it was so, it seemed, I realized, this may, you may be thinking, duh, David, you should have figured this out a long time ago. I know. But it, it was to a point, guys, where when sabbatical was over and I was supposed to get on a plane and leave Spain and come home, I'll just be honest with you, I didn't want to come home. Not because I was just enjoying sabbatical, but because I was anxious. I could feel the anxiety rising up in me, thinking about coming back to Tucson, coming back to my normal and thinking in every fiber of my being, I do not want that again. Not that I don't want to be in service and serving God and being in ministry. I just, I didn't want that lifestyle anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? I just like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. And I was to a point, I I refuse to do it anymore. I'm tired of it. I even called my wife that night before I was supposed to get on a plane. I'm like, so what do you think about moving to Spain? Seriously, I was like coming up with any option I could think of to not have to go back to what I had been used to. I was scared of it. I was like, God, I cannot do that anymore. So I came back and I began to be very serious about creating this, these new rhythms in my life. To, to hear God's voice and to, and to slow down. But even still, by the holidays, I was feeling that it was slipping away from me. By Thanksgiving, I was like feeling that anxiety again. It's like I feel like I'm going right back to where I was before, and I don't know what I did. And I was sharing my frustrations with a few people, a few uh, leaders uh, in early December, just being very honest and vulnerable about this to them. And God used one of them that day to speak a simple word that was so needed in my life. You might think this was overly simplistic, but have you ever had that time when someone spoke a word to you and you just knew even though the word was coming out of their lips, it was God speaking it? Have you ever been there? That was that, that, was that day. All he, God said, he just said, I feel like God wants me to give you one word, and that word is stop. And it just shook me. I felt like God in that moment was saying, David, don't go back to that crazy busy life and try to interject me into it. Stop. David, throughout your day, take to every two or three hours the moment to put down your work, no matter how big, no matter how important you think that project is, and take five. Stop and center back on me. Allow me to be your anchor. 
You know, a weekly day of rest is an expectation that God has of all of us, not just some of us. But as I taught here at Grace a couple of summers ago, the first known vacations that we see documented in history were by God's design for his people to stop and take an extended time of rest and reflection each year. To evaluate their lives, to evaluate their priorities, to evaluate their connection to God. Our vacations these days, so oftentimes, maybe you're guilty of this, our vacations, so often they're filled with so much activity that we come home and we need a vacation from our vacation, right? We've just packed it so we just still feel drained or even more drained than when we left. Or we take a staycation, right, to, to save a little bit of money so we, we stay at home and like, I'm just going to rest. And what happens? We're sitting in the house and we see all these projects around the house that have been sitting waiting for months or years. It's like, oh, I need to get that done. I need to get... And we still don't rest. And God says, stop and rest. Find those times in your year, in your week, and in your day to rest and recalibrate, refocus back on Christ. Rest is a choice. It's a choice to respect God's expectations for us and to respect our own human limitations every day, every week, every year of our lives. Now, to flip back to Hebrews 4 for a minute. In verses 2 through 6, the author here is talking about the rest of the past. This is the part about the promised land and the people of Israel in the past. In this place, it says that God was angry at his people for their lack of faith when they were delivered out of Egypt by God's hand and they were at the door of the promised land. And it says there in verse 2, that he had promised them this place of rest from their striving and their wandering, but they wouldn't accept it because they didn't have faith for it, verse 2. And also says in verse 6, because they wouldn't obey. And so it says they never got that place of rest in their lives. They never came to that promised land, and that generation all died wandering in the desert. And the author of Hebrews says to us here in verse 1, don't make that same mistake. Don't make that same mistake. It says there, we should be careful to not fail to get that promise, that promise of rest. He even, a few verses later, he, if you notice, as I said, he quoted verse 90, chapter 95 of Psalms, where it says that when we understand God's call for rest, to not be stubborn about it. To not be stubborn. To not be stubborn and learn that we have God-given limitations and yet still make excuses and keep going. To not tell ourselves that emotional or mental rest is only needed for other people. But, but, but I, I'm, I'm okay. I, I don't need it. Now, if that's you this morning, and if you're not sure that's you, just... Just look in the eyes of the person next to you. Your eyes will say a lot. I bet the person who knows you best, they'll, they'll just, with their eyes, they'll tell you if this is you or not. But if this is you this morning, please hear me. Hear God speak to you this morning. As you start a new year, do not keep this up. It will slowly but quietly erode you from within. So what can we do? 
with what we're learning today? What can we do with this? Maybe, maybe you're coming off of a time of being off work now for a number of days. Maybe you got off of work just before Christmas Eve and you don't have to go back to work until tomorrow morning. Now, some of you have already had to go back and you're like, okay, Dave, I've already started. But for some of you, you teachers, maybe Raytheon people, you're like, oh, I'm just dreading tomorrow morning. I, I've got to go back into work. But let me ask you this morning, how are you feeling? Think a moment how you're doing mentally, emotionally right now. Physically, how are you feeling? Did you actually rest over these last several days? Are you emotionally rested, ready to go back to the challenges and the obligations that will be before you? Or are you dragging? Are you dreading tomorrow? We usually underestimate the impact a lack of rest is having in our lives as well as in the lives of those we love who are around us. It can keep us, a lack of rest, it can keep us from being fully present, and it can ruin relationships. It can damage our souls, and even cause us to die early. It can keep us from emotionally recovering from all the stuff we put on ourselves. And we start avoiding saying yes to any commitments to serve God or others at any time, because we're, we're so, we become selfish because we're out of balance. God's saying, I'm not asking you to avoid commitments. I'm asking you to get in balance. Find that place of rest and live there. Don't escape from reality and then go back to this crazy lifestyle. Learn how to live every day, every week, every year in that place of rest, in that natural, healthy rhythm of rest. Guys, we can, we can screw up our ability even to hear from God and hear his voice for months, and we not even realize we're getting lost or getting off track. Believe me, it happens. Because we're so busy and so consumed by the day-to-day. So what would it look like for you to honor God in this area this year? What would it look like? Maybe you're not a New Year's resolution kind of person, which is fine. But if you, if you were to choose to make one... What would it look like for you with this area of rest? What change would you need to make to be more healthy for the long haul? To be more honoring of the way God has created you and what he expects of you? Do you need to change your Sunday routines in some way? To give yourself a little bit of space to gear down once a week? Or to just to be with God on the Sabbath and worship him with us, but then go and truly rest for the rest of the day and honor the Sabbath in that way. Maybe it's a day with your family. Imagine this, not distracted by your cell phones, by Netflix, by the chores, the to-do list at home. I've actually heard of some people who have created, I don't know if you, maybe some of you have done this, they've created a Sabbath box in their home. You know what goes in the Sabbath box every Sunday? The cell phones. All the remotes in the house, the homework for school, the to-do list, it all goes in there so that, so that as family, they can be totally present with each other in those moments. Not just to physically rest, because that's not what this is talking about. Yes, it's physical rest, but it's more than that. It's mental, it's emotional rest. It's slowing our brains down to be present with each other, fully present, 
and being present with our God so that we can hear his voice. Maybe for you, it's about your rhythms of rest when it comes to annual vacations. Maybe some of you, you, you were hearing me talk a little while ago and you're like, Dave, that's totally me. My, rest, my, my vacations are never restful. I'm on, I'm on a plane, I'm flying from here to there, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. What would it look like for you in somehow in the midst of your year to take times of vacation that are actually extended rest where you're not doing anything? Just times of quiet. Times where you can listen to God. Times when you can think about the path of life that you're on and how to stay on track with what God wants of your life or maybe even what you want for your life. Maybe you've never even taken a day to just be away and be still and be quiet and listen and evaluate your life. Or maybe you haven't done that in a long time. Maybe if you did that, you wouldn't even know what to do with your time. I, I know that's true for a lot of people. They're like, Dave, if I were to go off go up on Mount Lemon and just have nothing to do for the day but just sit there on a bench somewhere, I would, I would drive myself crazy, right? So in your online sermon notes today, in that, there's a section there toward the bottom that has some downloads that I usually put there for you along with your questions to study for the week. And those downloads, I've given you a couple of inserts or, that you can, PDFs that you can click on. One is about how to have a day alone with God, what to do with that time. And the second one is, when you're having that time alone, some self, simple self-evaluation questions where you can kind of take a, take a bird's-eye view of your life and ask yourself, ask God, God, am I, am I getting off track anywhere? Or am I exactly where you want me to be? Am I exactly where I want to be? So those are available for you on, in your online sermon notes today. You know, at Grace, we ask everyone who is a part of our community to join us in doing four things. We call them our four spiritual commitments, right? We talk about how here at Grace, we want, to, we want everyone here who's a part of our community to serve others by offering our gifts, our talents, our time, our finances, all the things that God has gifted us with that we give those freely in order to make a kingdom difference. When we come to places in our lives when we're allowing ourselves to be too busy and we're not honoring the Sabbath, then we tend to want to say no all the time. Again, because we're out of balance and we need to figure out how to get that right. But one of our, there are a couple of our spiritual commitments that talk about growing in faith, about how to, we, that we regularly grow each week in our personal time with God, but that we also commit to growing in intentional relationships with each other. And as Sue mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, uh, in a few weeks we're going to be starting a bunch of new short-term groups that are like six, eight weeks long, where you can kind of try it out, be in a small group, see how you're growing, how you're making connections, and see if it's a good fit for you. But those are going to be offered, we'll, you'll be hearing more about those here in just a couple of weeks the details of those, but those are starting at the end of the month. But the last of those four spiritual commitments is the one I really want to land on this morning, and it talks about knowing God through our worship. And what we say in that is that we're making a commitment to God and to each other that we will prioritize our Sabbath day, that we will prioritize our time here in this place on Sunday mornings, and not just to be present and filling a seat, but that so that we can give God our very best. We, we come here on Sundays to receive, yes, but we can never forget that we're here also to give. We are to give God the praise, the honor, the gratitude, the, the worship that He deserves. 
And one of the ways that we honor our Sabbath is not just how we're physically present in these seats on Sunday morning, but how we rest, how we honor that Sabbath after we leave here later that day. Archibald Hart says that people in a hurry never have time for recovery. Their minds have little time to meditate and pray so that problems can be put into perspective. In short, people in our age are showing signs of physiological disintegration because we're living at a pace that's too fast for our bodies. Grace, we cannot shortchange this commandment of God. Christian people have shortchanged this command for rest, for Sabbath, for far too long. God calls us to honor the Sabbath. It's His his expectation because He has created us with limitations. And He wants us to realize in those limitations that we need to turn to Him. We must do the best we can, Grace, to work at our resting. To start getting into the habit of stopping if we haven't already. Because the less we stop and rest, the more likely we are to get lost and to stay lost in life. Rest is a choice. The choice to respect our limitations and God's expectations every day of our lives. So this year, I don't know about you, but I'm making a choice. I'm making a choice to live differently in 2019 than I have for a long time. I'm actually making the word stop my word for the year. Have any of you been thinking about that already? What your word for the year is going to be? For me, I had no doubt in my mind that word is the word that God's going to be hammering on me this entire year. Learning how as soon as I start to slip back into that unhealthy pattern to stop and rest. It's a choice to live reasonably, to take rest seriously, to respect God's expectations, and to slow down. Are you willing to join me? Are you willing to take that seriously in a new year and honor God in that way? Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this new year. Lord, I'm so excited about this new year and what it holds for us here as a community at Grace, how you're going to stretch us, how you're going to grow us, how we're going to come to know you more and more for who you truly are. Lord, we thank you for this message this morning and the love that we receive as we recognize that you give us this space that we don't have to live our lives constantly on a treadmill, running and running, trying to please you. But God, you say to us, it's already done through Christ on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that we, that we can rest in that and know that. Lord, this morning, we're going to take some time to remember all that you have done for us 2,000 years ago on the cross how you, as an act of love, you gave your life for us so that we could truly live. Not just in the future, but even here in the present. Help us, Lord, as we take these moments to be quiet and to reflect, to hear your voice and to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. As the ushers are coming forward this morning, this is a time in our service which I think is very appropriate. We start the new year in this way. It's a time for us to remember what Christ did for us. As we pass around the bread and the cup, if you are a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you to just take, take a piece of bread, take a cup of juice and just hold it 
and we will partake of it together in just a moment. Um, I'm going to throw a next step question on the screen so you can be thinking about what God might be saying to you as you start this new year. Maybe there's some moments of confession that you need to offer to God today to, to kind of put the past behind you and to start afresh in this area this year. But as we pass around the bread and the cup, let's remember that this is all possible, not of our own work and strength, but because of Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this bread which symbolizes your body which you broke for us. And this blood, or this cup which represents your blood that you shed for us. Lord, in these next few moments, we ask that you would still our minds enough that we can find that place of rest for a few moments and, and hear you. Lord, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, we want to be able to receive this love that you have for us. For some of us, we don't even know how to find it or if it is even really there. But Lord, we reach out this morning in faith and hope and trust, and we look for it. In Jesus' name, amen.